Sultans of Slam for May 24th, Sunday evening. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and I am joined once again by Reed sprinting across from the 50-yard line wearing cowboy boots, much like one hangman Adam Page did this past I'm week not on wearing, AW Dynamite. I am not wearing that, nor am I sprinting. Oh, shit. Yeah. He's quite the opposite. Uh, you went for, for a quick golf this morning? Yeah, I w- no, not a quick golf. I mean, I went for a full 18, so I was out there for about four would you would you shoot uh, this, or is that not this <laughs> what i shot is not important what is important is that i shot better than everybody else i golfed with so let's just leave Excellent. it at that i've never golfed before nor has my wife uh she's interested in trying it out so we'll see how that goes uh your <laughs> golf lady is just not cut... man golf is not something you just like try out like, willy-nilly pick up and try well out. because yeah. like you're all you're gonna suck like your first time like it's impossible not to it's like skating like you're either in or you're out because it's all that, yeah that'd be the only thing i would hate is to inconvenience others so if i'm taking forever on a on a hole uh and then some some drunks come up behind me and they're they're trying to blow through i would feel bad uh, posting them up. Your lady just cut a Scott Steiner esque numbers promo on you regarding some fr- some food you're about to throw into the oven. Uh, and I was just sitting over here giggling because she's just like, "We got this for this many degrees for this many minutes. Then we got this over here. You can see they are not created equal as they need to be thrown in at this many degrees for this many moments." And you're just like, Shit. "Put the wings." No, that the spring rolls can't win. So they're not even gonna try. <laughs> Yeah. Holy shit, Reed! I've watched so much wrestling in the last four, 24 hours. How about you? Uh, I watched just the pay per view. I think that's oh. it. Did you not watch AEW Dynamite? I, I'll let you know what happened. No, I did AEW not Dynamite. because uh, I got lazy and I didn't feel like it. Because I only wanted it's, to watch it, the pay per view because I'm not biggest fan of the COVID nineteen era of wrestling. I just the, I need the crowd there. I need it. I need it. To feed off the crowd, like Joey Janela. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here's uh, a. I mean, you've already seen the. uh, You've already seen the outcome uh, of what's being set up here. But let me quickly run through my painstakingly taken notes for AW Dynamite for Wednesday, May twentieth, twenty twenty. The go home show for Double or Nothing from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, This Saturday, Cody and Lance. Uh, Cody says he needs it. He needs this title. It's the only title he can get. He needs it. We're going to have the Inner Circle versus the Elite in the Stadium Stampede match. And, of course, the main event, Moxley versus Brody Lee. A limo pulls up. The Inner Circle uh, bounce out of this limo. Uh, Chris Jericho carrying Floyd, his baseball bat. Uh, what's his name? Alex Marvez is here uh, to interview them. Oh, shit, dude. Uh, I did see this dynamite. Never mind. Yeah, I, excellent. Yeah, I watched it on like Thursday or Friday or something. Like I have, I my my TV records all of these automatically, so sometimes I check them out, sometimes I don't. Oh, good to hear. Yeah. Well, then, I, well, then you know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, they threaten the elite, uh, and as they leave, Ortiz steals uh, Alex Marvez's like tie clip, and he's like, "This is probably worth something." That was a good little aside. <laughs> in the crowd, read our boys Butcher and Blade Fuck in yeah. casual attire. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't Blade's even, got, like, I didn't even yeah, notice them. That's how casual the attire was. Yeah, Blade's got like, uh, sometimes he's shirtless, sometimes he's got like a wife beater on, but he's got like suspenders over his nips, uh, and then uh, Butcher's got the, the eyepiece in, but otherwise they're looking like they're going out to like a, a ska show or something. 
Uh, J.R. Excalibur and Tony Schiavone on commentary. The main event tonight will be Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. We will hear from the coaches of Cody and Lance Arthur, uh, Jake, the Snake, and Arn. We'll have a face-to-face. Uh, Ray Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander versus Baker and Nyla. This is like a... You're just imagining all the casualties, as many people were unfortunately injured on this show. Uh, and it makes it a little hard to watch it in retrospect, knowing when that stuff's going to happen. And then when you see it, I don't know, man. I don't... I don't I, uh, now I I'm thinking I watched the beginning of this Dynamite and then immediately turned it off. <laughs> because none of that sounds familiar beyond Alex Marvez interviewing the inner circle leaving their limo. I'm like, shit, yeah, I remember that. But then so ev- you, when, everything when you is- said I didn't even see Butcher and the Blade in the crowd, it's because you had already turned the show <laughs> off at that point. Probably, yes. 35 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably like, right. paused it because I needed to go like go to the kitchen. And then, you know, like you come back like half an hour later and you're like, ah, fuck. Yeah. You go to the kitchen for half an hour? I know. <laughs> I know it is. Well, you know, you're doing the dishes. You fucking yeah, cook sure. some food or something. I don't know. Whatever you're doing. Figuring out how the fuck to cook the food in the oven if they all have different temperatures <laughs> and different times. Shit, man. We need to call somebody in on this. Uh, MJF versus Marco, Stunt, and Moxley versus Ten of the Dark Order will no, also be fuck, on tonight's I, Now I see, I remember watching both of those matches. Okay, so you just bounced out of this and then came back to it half an hour later, maybe. Maybe my consciousness was in and out that particular evening. <laughs> and I, was, I get it, man. Yeah, and I was just having blank memory slots. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Brody Lee is here. Do you remember this? <laughs> he's holding the belt. Uh, he's looking a lot like Vince McMahon. The way he carries himself, there's something in his shoulders that Brody Lee... I thought he's that was gotten... the I thought that was the whole unobvious, like super obvious gimmick was that he's a parody of Vince. That's it. Uh, right, but like I feel like he's gained confidence since his debut. Like in the pay per view, he's excellent. Like he's really, really good compared to even when yeah. he was on Dynamite. Um, I don't remember anyways. a single thing Brody Lee uh, said here. I just remember it being a very long rambling promo. Like I'm gonna fucking kill you, Moxley. I need this belt. Uh, yeah, so basically, like he, uh, <laughs> he acknowledges his hecklers in the jobber crowd here, uh, he asks Ten to take a knee, and then he asks him to take a knee even better. Oh, right, he names uh, him, he... like, a knight paladin or fucking warlock or something. <laughs> like, fucking clan shit going I, n- on. I name you level eight knight paladin warlock. <laughs> you can now use <laughs> divine rudimentary curing spells, uh... <laughs> He calls himself a man, not a god. Uh, he refers to the Dark Order as the Lions of AEW. He has taken over the previous uh, leadership of the Dark Order. So he kind of says uh, Grayson and Evil Uno. I don't, I don't even know what's happened to those guys. No, okay, so uh, but, that's what I find interesting in this particular case. Because uh, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno are both Canadian, from my understanding. And just yeah. due to the fact that the borders are still shut down, they're unable to enter the states. Therefore, they can't. And they weren't able to attend, like, lots of the tapings, lots of the dynamites, and also Double or Nothing. So they have decided instead of, I guess the route they're going, instead of just waiting for them to come back, is uh, Brody Lee has, like, uh, taken the the leadership of the group by the reins and has turned it around to something different. And uh, that's as far as they've explained it, so... I think what's going to happen is Evil Uno and Stu Grayson come back, but they're just going to be like their own thing now. Uh, they're going to sure. they're going to like talk to Brody Lee, and Brody Lee's just going to be like, "No, you guys are a bunch of weird wizards or something," and beat them up. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty close to this promo. Uh, he says that the results speak for himself. 
uh, as he re- references the belt he has thrown into the ring. Uh, he has to win this Saturday, as you see, to pay back the love and loyalty of his men. He needs to win for them. He needs to bring this gold home. Uh, Ten has tally marks on his pecs, like a tattoo, like a five and a five. Um, so this is Pre- Preston Vance, and if you go... On the Wikipedia of AEW now, his name is spelt Press 10 with the number 10, Vance. Oh, uh, that's cute. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. Uh, so, Brody Lee sends 10 in to fight Mox and bounces. Uh, Moxley enters from the parking lot, uh, hoisting his record of 10 and 0. The bell rings. And then he just beats get the a running shit high out of 10, right? What's that? Sorry? And then he just beats the shit out of 10 and then pins him. Uh, yeah, the bell rings with a running high knee suplex. Uh, does Moxley have a new earring? Did he have a gold earring prior to this? He always had an earring. I don't know if it was gold or right. not. He's got, like, he went shopping online during the, the COVID. Hulk Hogan, uh, Mox gets in uh, Aubrey's face here, gently slaps her cheek. Uh, 10 gets some <laughs> offense in. Uh, Fireman's carry throw from Moxley. Uh, Gotch-style pile driver. Paradigm, paradigm shift and a 1-2-3. Moxley wins. Grabs a microphone. Places 10's arm in a chair. Standing on it, he calls Lee out from the back. 10 seconds to correct your mistake, Brody Lee. Or I'm gonna break this man's arm, essentially. Brody Lee pops up on screen. Classic heel. <laughs> says, Quick, give me a camera. And, and broadcast me to the arena. Uh, Dark Order pieces out completely. I will see you Saturday, uh, says uh, Moxley as he obliterates Ten's arm. And again, we see Blade and Butcher clapping uh, yeah. in the in the crowd here. Listen, uh, if if the COVID nineteen era happened during the Attitude Era, I'm sure the Rock and Stone Cold would be in the in the crowd cheering in casual clothes, <laughs> like. So just like the two top stars of that time are doing it, yeah, you know, it's it transcends it's, time. It's like, you know, it's like poetry. It <laughs> rhymes. <laughs> it rhymes. <laughs> uh, Excalibur to quote Excalibur here: "So much drama, so much intrigue." Next, we have MJF <laughs> versus Marco. One fall, twenty minutes. Uh, we get MJF here chewing gum. I like that as a heel gimmick in a in a match where you're not taking it seriously. Uh, MJF is referred to here as a bully. Uh, he gets to fight Jungle Boy this Saturday, of course. Marco boxes MJF ears uh, ears to escape a hold at one point here. We get an Aloha MJF, but he hoists Marco up by the neck. MJF hits Marco with his own hand. Quit hitting yourself. Uh, MJF laughs at Marco. Uh, so basically here, the, uh, the, the announcers put over MJF's record. He is only uh, lost in a four-way where he wasn't pinned or submitted. Wardlow chokes Marco's stunt on the rope here during the distraction. Uh, Tony and MJF exchange words. Uh, there's a nice, nice exchange between them. Not, not fans of one another. Marco goes for three uh, subsequent drop kicks. Two of three land, and that ain't bad. Gets a jumping knee in. Marco uses speed and his size for some offense here. Uh, but we get a shoulder breaker and uh, an armbar submission. MJF wins over Marco's done. Asks for a mic. Cuts a promo about rats kissing Marco or something along those lines. <laughs> but no one would kiss Marco. But he's going to get to kiss the ring. And as will Jungle Boy this uh, Saturday, something along those lines. Uh, Wardlow ho- holds poor Marco's stunt as uh, MJF murders him with the ring. Jungle Boy runs in to protect uh, Marco's stunt now that he has been punched. And Luchasaurus joins him as well. Recap of last week where uh, Cody uh, drove his truck through a pile of stuff. Uh, I feel like the, the camera was turned on too quickly here. And uh, Cody was just revving his engine and then really sadly, at like five miles per hour, rammed a pile of barricades. I don't know if you remember this from last week or not. No. This was this was Cody livid at what had happened to his wife. And he just 
slowly pushed over a pile of garbage. Uh, Jake the Snake uh, and Ann Arn Anderson. Uh, Tony introduces the men and steps back. Jake says Cody uh, has uh, has to face the truth. Lance will rip out his heart. You know all that all that good shit. At some point during this, Jake challenges Arn uh, to a wrestling match <laughs> so or something. Rip this shit out of you, boy. <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck? Uh, Arn says, "Hey, listen, uh, Mike Tyson's going to be there, and he's going to have free reign over the entire stadium, and uh, you're not, your boy's not going to be able to try any weird shit." Can we do a uh, slight, very small spoiler for Double or Nothing? It's funny that he's like, "Oh, Mike Tyson's going to have free reign over the arena," and then my favorite moment of Mike Tyson's appearance is when it cuts to him, and for half a second you see him yawning, and they quickly cut away because he looks bored <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> I was like, "Ah, oh, yes, that's that shit I like." <laughs> That's the producer's fault. Uh, Jake refers to uh, Brandy as a bimbo uh, and l hopes to bump into her again, you know, with his snake penis. <laughs> Why'd you gotta say uh, it like that? <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Arn puts Cody over, uh, says he has to earn the respect of his fans and peers, calls himself uh, a vicious prick, Arn does, um, makes fun of DDP yoga, the thing that saved Jake the Snake's life, <laughs> uh, and says, uh, get limber. Uh, using that yoga for when I spine buster you. Uh, Jake jumps over the table here. Refs break them up. And that was it. We didn't really get a go-home promo from Cody. Or any mention from Cody after his wife was assaulted. Uh, so that kind of sucks. But, yeah, it, you know. it really would have benefited from having another strong Cody promo. I feel that's where Cody's strongest suit is. Is just having a good go-home promo before yeah, a big the match. Yeah, the build-up. Yeah. He's really good at the mm -hmm. build-up. Yes, exactly. And I think that would have benefited the match greatly. Um, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> uh, the uh, So the AEW Casino ladder match uh, for a title shot is announced here to be 10 combatants, which I don't think I had heard previous to this. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you have fucking 10 men in a ladder match? Uh, we get a Darby video here. He is playing poker uh, with people in masks of the other combatants uh, in this ladder match. Some of the other people revealed here, uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, suddenly added Luchasaurus, uh, joined the other men we already knew about. And of course, Ray Phoenix uh, unfortunately gets injured in this episode and is replaced by Joey Janela. All right. Uh, oh yeah, and then Darby lights himself on fire while standing on top of a ladder. Yeah, why not? Yeah, which is, uh, coincidentally, what he ends up kind of doing in the pay-per-view, too. A little bit. Gets on top of a ladder and then <laughs> takes himself off the match. Uh, holy shit, it's Pac. Uh, he's pacing around in a brick room with really high windows. He's laughing at Orange Cassidy, watching a small TV. The video switches between him in a suit and his uh, wrestling gear. He gives the uh, best friends a warning from the Death Triangle. And uh, holy shit, it's Pac. It's been a while. Uh, nice to see this guy. Yep. He's, uh, he's doing whatever he needs to do to stay in that shape uh, while not being able to go to the gym. I don't... Who, who he knows? He probably does a thousand sit-ups, a thousand crunches, and lots and lots of steroids. He's like ten times One Punch Man plus steroids. Yes. Uh, we get Orange Cassidy uh, sending best friends to the back. He wants to go it alone, dodges a Ray Phoenix flying kick, and the match begins. Uh, Orange Cassidy, cool as a cucumber I have here. Uh, doing his Orange Cassidy bit, dodging, weaving out of things. Ray Phoenix is great, I have written here, which I think speaks for itself. Uh, we go for picture-in-picture, picture, or in my case, I get a full-screen view of what is happening, but no commentary for most of these commercials. Uh, so I just get like four minutes of, of cold, quiet wrestling. Uh, 
Ray with a series of brutal holds and chops. Uh, he chops Orange Cassidy. Cassidy fires up and chops back. We get a rising strike. Uh, Phoenix rolls out of the ring. Uh, Orange Cassidy with a suicida here. Diving cross body. Round the world DDT. One, two, kick out. Top rope back and forth. Orange Cassidy diving DDT on Phoenix. Orange Cassidy breaks hold with hands in his pockets. Goes for a headbutt on the top rope. Kip shows up after multiple near falls. Uh, Orange Cassidy is uh, distracted as uh, as a... Uh, what? The ref? Low blow? Okay. Uh, so Ray hits the low blow on... Sometimes my uh, my notes get a little rambling here. Uh, Ray hits the low blow and uh, we get a roll up on Orange Cassidy as Kip is on the ramp. So it's kind of a distraction finish for Orange Cassidy. The stuff they did in the pay-per-view with Orange Cassidy I wasn't a huge fan of either. We'll get, we'll get there as well. Uh, SCU... Oh, sorry. Kip shows up and he's sitting on a ladder. SCU shows up as well, having now been announced for the match. They dip, uh, dump Kip off. Uh, that is Scorpion and Kazarian. Havoc shows up. He's friends with, with Kip. So they, Ray does a huge flip off this rope and murders himself. Uh, nobody catches this guy and his his leg uh, and hip just come down right on the uh, from the top rope, man. Come right down right outside the ring here. Uh, Colt then flips, just missing a shoot-injured Ray Phoenix. Uh, and then the best friends launch Orange Cassidy, who also nearly murders himself on the barricade. Uh, so an attempt to kill all these men before they're able to perform this Saturday, they were able to get one and that is Ray Phoenix, who would not compete on last night's pay-per-view commercial break, we get a women's match here, uh, Chris Statlander enters and touches everyone on the face man, I don't know uh, never mind keep going uh, yeah, you should, I'm, you I'm should, barreling through you man you should edit this out <laughs> where you interrupt me and then don't have anything to say yes <laughs> Uh, Chris Stanlander enters and touching everybody on the face. Sheeta is next. Baker. Uh, Why is she touching yeah. everybody on the face? She that's her because she's an alien. She boops them on the nose. Yeah, but it's COVID nineteen. You shouldn't be doing that shit. Right, but but it's pro wrestling, and you shouldn't be doing a fucking alien gimmick. I guess so. so. And it's also pro wrestling. I guess you shouldn't be grappling and stretching people right now. Yeah. Uh, so this is of course where Baker uh, gets injured uh, pretty severely. And she'll be out uh, for the better part of a year. No, I heard heard it was possibly like a minor tear, so it might only be a few months, possibly. Either way, it's not good. Uh, (laughs) And then we get Nyla Rose with a kendo stick. No bell yet. Aubrey separates the teams as they try to get at each other. The the bell rings. Nyla's shoulder tackle on Chris Statlander. Baker uh, refuses to tag in. She says that Nyla's got it handled, and I'm just going to be a heel on the uh, the apron here. Nyla destroys Chris Statlander during the break, uh, which again was a silent wrestling affair for me. Uh, we get Nyla Rose forcing Baker to tag in, finally grabs her by the neck, forces her to tag in, and ultimately become injured for months. Uh, back from break, uh, Sheeta and Nyla are brawling. Sheeta hits a running knee on a downed uh, Britt Baker on the side of the apron. Chris Statlander and Sheeta double-team Nyla and drop her on Baker, who's sitting in the corner, and they just drop Nyla Rose, who's... Uh, I don't know what she's billed at, but it's probably closer to 200, right? Oh, absolutely. Just on Baker's knee. And it just looks... It looks nasty. It looks like, yeah, she's injured, for real. Uh, Baker, clearly in pain, uh, moves over so the doctor can attend to her. Uh, but Baker is still legal here. So she takes at least a couple more moves with her now very injured knee uh, before Nyla finally figures out what's going on, drags her to the corner for the tag, and the match continues. Dr. Samson tends to Baker in the corner. Chris Chris Statlander looks like a total geek uh, here, Beast Bomb. Uh, She was like like kind of flailing around outside the ring. 
Because, like, now, so now the issue is Baker's out of the match. And I, I think it was Baker maybe getting the pin or taking the pin here. Uh, so now Chris Statlander is kind of flopping around like a fish outside the ring so that Nyla can figure something out with Sheeta. Uh, and of course, we see what happens on the pay-per-view here. So what the best course of action here was probably for Statlander to be pinned by Nyla? Yes, that was what uh, I done. Anyways, uh, she looks like a total geek on the, the apron here. She's flopping around. She ends up on the other side of the <laughs> ring here, uh, kind of looking for an excuse not to break up the pin. Beast Bomb on Sheeta and a pin. Nyla sets up a table. Chris Tatlander saves Sheeta. Uh, Sheeta gets the suplex on Nyla here. Da, 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 da. My notes are sticking together. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, and right then, uh, the match, Ailey. Yeah, yeah. Nyla gets the pin. And, uh, and I came. That's it. <laughs> That's what happened. <clears throat> Alex Marvez, uh, is back, is with Moxley. <laughs> Alex Marvez uh, showed up and I came. <laughs> yeah, Alex Marvez. I see that face. I'm a believer. Uh, this Saturday, Brody Lee is going to uh, to go to sleep. Moxley basically cuts a similar promo to his longer one here. Uh, nothing wrong with Moxley's promos. Uh, I think he still puts over his opponent. He's violent. Uh, it's it's great. And there's a lot of his character uh, in the match that happens on the pay-per-view as well. Uh, and a lot of cool stuff that I liked. Anyways, we get the Sean Spears Network news. It's breaking news. Dustin Rhodes has retired. There's no way he's coming back. Uh, to the to the AEW after what Lance Archer did to him. There's a line here where Sean Spears says, "This is a tough pill to swallow." Uh, whereas pills weren't too hard to swallow uh, hard to swallow 12 years ago. He says to Dustin, Holy which is a little shit. not very not very <laughs> nice. Meow, meow, uh, meow. He ch- <laughs> meow, meow, meow. Challenges Dustin to a match at the pay per view. Uh, uh, yeah. And we'll we'll see what happens. Basically, the the thing here is uh, this is great. By the way, this is probably the best Sean Spears desperate heel gimmick thing he's done so far. Um, it, and he's he's smiling a lot. He's coming off real cheesy, and I think it's working for him. To be completely honest with you, uh, because when you have this guy standing next to MJF, there's there's no comparison. Uh, all right, so the announcers run down the pay per view card uh, as well as the buy and match that will be Private Party versus Best Friends, etc. etc. There will be a battle royale. Uh, next week on AEW Dynamite, and the winner will face the uh, champ on June 3rd. So, fun times. Uh, we get a Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy video recap. The main event is next. Butcher and Blade sighting uh, during the commercial break here. They're yeah. clapping. Again, that's, uh, that's all they were paid to do. Uh, Sammy does his text card gimmick. Uh, in, again, completely in stark silence, uh, this, which is awkward as hell. Alright. Uh, Matt Hardy... Uh, <laughs> Crushes his sweet hands, I have written here, uh, on the outside, then crushes his head into the post, and this is going to be the image for the episode here, uh, because when Matt Hardy is crushing Sammy Guevara's head into this post, and Sammy Guevara starts screaming, uh, I fucking laughed so hard. Uh, He counters a twist of fate with a handstand and kicks Matt Hardy in the fucking head, which looks super awesome. Commercial break, we return from that break, though, uh, to find uh, Sammy, uh, was this standing? What? Okay, lots of near falls, backflip onto Matt Hardy, Sammy with multiple clean shots on Matt Hardy, but can't put him away, shooting star press, uh, adjusts after Matt Hardy moves, this was really cool, from the middle of a shooting star press, Sammy actually was able to, like in a fighting game, do like a special move cancel, and land safely, twist of fate, Sammy kicks out, Matt Hardy removes Sammy's shoe and bites his toes, for you weirdos on the internet, springboard cutter, but Matt Hardy kicks out of that, Matt Hardy, uh, (laughs) right... What I got here? SSP? What the fuck is that? 
What the fuck is that, Reed? S-S-P. What's an SSP? Um, Knees up on Shooting Star Press. Shooting Star I need Press. I to make myself a legend for my own shit here. Uh, Matt Hardy hits one more twist of fate and gets the one, two, three. Uh, Matt Hardy appears to grab a non-gimmicked chair. We cut to the inner circle with Kenny Omega tied to like a, a goalpost here, beating the shit out of him, ripping his shirt open. He's wearing little shorts. Chris Jericho tees <laughs> up with a bat, but the Young Bucks are back, and the men start to brawl. Uh, we see Hangman Page sprint half a football field here to deliver a lariat to Hagar. Uh, the brawl ends. Uh, Page walks away from the elite. And thanks and good night from JR. That was AEW Dynamite. Holy shit. That, that lasted a long time. Yeah. Uh, Hangman Page's entrance, of course. You've, you've seen the gif on the internet. It's fantastic. Whoever came up with that man's first reintroduction after six weeks to be he sprints a football field in cowboy boots to clothesline somebody is on point. I was quoted as saying earlier this week, the only way that could have been better is if he was on a horse and the pay-per-view delivered that. All right. <laughs> Speaking of pay-per-views, AEW Double or Nothing, May 23rd, 2020, Daily's Place, Jacksonville, Florida. We open with a rather corny video <laughs> uh, about COVID-19, thanking the first responders. Uh, we have cut, we cut to nurses crying. I don't know. It's a bit heavy-handed. Uh, we also get, like, there's nothing wrong with it. it the sentiment was perfectly great. Uh, the execution was a bit... Yeah, it, all right. I just, like, I thought it'd be way funnier if you cut to, like, people puking or, like, just, I don't know, funny things instead. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You're right. Uh, cut to uh, cut to the, the, the nurses, the, the paramedics that showed up when What's-His-Name's head was being crushed by that door. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Those, like, show, tatted up, the no, tatted up first No, show all the fake doctors from wrestling history. The ones who are like, no, 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 we gotta take you to um, the hospital. You got a broken <laughs> leg. <laughs> Clearly, a wrestler that they put in a lab coat, and that makes him a doctor. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say, like, I've been taking notes and covering this entire crowdless era of AEW Dynamite, and uh, it's really awesome that their pay-per-view fell kind of as we move out of this versus Mania that fell right in the middle of it. And because AEW doesn't do as many pay-per-views, it did feel that, hey, you know what? They did build up something here, uh, and they paid off in a really fun pay-per-view. Spoilers, this pay-per-view's a lot of fun. Uh, I think you would agree. Yeah. I think if you take out the main event, this pay-per-view would have been pretty fucking whatever. Um, But with the main event, it really spices things up. Yes. Yeah, really. It, it uh, <laughs> yeah. A good bookend. Uh, we get something here. Listen, uh, Shad uh, Gaspard uh, was, was ripped away by a current off Venice Beach. Uh, he asked the responders there to save his son and was uh, torn away, drowned, and found earlier this week. So RIP to that guy. They have a placard card here for him, uh, which just shows a video of the ocean, and then RIP his name. So, I don't know a lot about the guy. I don't know if he loved the ocean. He was part of and the that tag was like, team crime time from, like, the Ruthless Aggression era. So, you know, around that 2007, 2009 time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, like, the, the video of the ocean, the thing that killed him, why did that have to be the thing behind his name? I don't know. I don't you know. You know what I mean? Weird. Weird. Anyway, Butcher and Blade are in the crowd. We are hyped and ready to go. We're opening with the I casino ladder match. I did not see 10. Butcher and Blade at any point during this fucking pay-per-view. Oh, man, you need to go back and... Man, uh, I, and saw, I, saw, I saw Vicky Guerrero. I saw Vitor Belfort. Vitor okay, Bel- so Bla- Blade is literally standing next to Vicky Guerrero. Really? Okay, I did not see He's, that. No, yeah. I saw Vitor Belfort, but I did not see these fucking guys. <laughs> okay? That's fucking weird. All right. 
Did you watch the pay-per-view or did you just see the pay-per-view? No, I, you know? like, I had it on while I was doing <laughs> other things, but I also kind of paid attention. Uh, so the first to grab a big casino chip that's suspended from above the ring will win the uh, the title opportunity. It's actually not that uh, ridiculous. It looked pretty fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Especially in the gargantuan hands of, of Brian Cage. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler. uh, Joey Janela gets a moment here to talk about replacing Ray Phoenix in the match. Uh, Kip Sabian says ladders are in his blood. <laughs> uh, we hear from uh, Chris Daniels about the SEU. Uh, best friends are hyping up Orange Cassidy, who seems like he doesn't want to be involved here. Uh, and men will enter over time. Every two minutes, two men will an- uh, enter. Cool uh, beginning to this match as Frankie Gazarian is in first. Scorpio Sky is next. Of course, teammates on SCU uh, decide to do the res- respectful thing. Instead of collude to win the opportunity, decide to fight each other in a wrestling and match. And they have a wrestling match. Uh, yeah, in two minutes, uh, they they have a pretty good match here. Yeah. Uh, so we get two minutes until the third man uh, man is here. Both SEU members grab ladders, uh, but then decide to throw those away, lock up, and wrestle. Kip and Penelope Ford are out next. Uh, Havoc, who is not in the match, levels SEU with a ladder and gets involved immediately because why not? It's no DQ. Yeah, why would uh, have? Can I just quickly say Jimmy Havoc's new gear, the white suit with the like the blood paint and yes. like the black shirt. Much, 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 much better than whatever the fuck he's wearing before, like that weird leather vest thing. That was yeah, yeah. This looks much, much better. I hope he keeps this look. It's much better. This is like uh, that meme where it was like the Facebook ad, and it was like level ten, level thirty, level fifty. This is Jimmy Havoc at level fifty. Yeah. He's not wearing like a leather bag. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> anymore. He's, a bit yeah, he's reached final evolution. Uh, as I mentioned, no DQ. So Havoc goes to work on Frankie Kazarian. Havoc off the top rope with a nothing. Uh, dumps his own ass uh, on the corner and is uh, basically bounces off a propped up ladder and Frankie Kazarian suplexes him through it. Kip pulls Frankie Kazarian uh, from a ladder as he tries to ascend. Uh, what's interesting here is that, yeah, this match can be won with three men in the ring before seven guys even get a chance to do anything, but it's a no DQ. So you could, could you not just yeah, be by just, ringside? Just fucking enter it. Yeah. <laughs> just like, what are you waiting there. for? Yeah. Just, Brian Cage could have just walked in. Like, even, if, you're, even if it's like, well, you can't allow until you're entered in. All right, just go to the ring and don't let anybody else win until your time starts, and then you yeah. can just win. I guess, like, like there has to be, a, there has to be a, like, a halfway meeting point between fans and the kayfabe rules of these matches, I guess. Because, yeah. like, because then you could leave. You could just be like, oh, no, DQ, just bring in a gun and kill him. <laughs> Why don't you bring in a knife and stab Yeah, exactly. Him? That's like that's like some grade three on the playground shit. Yeah, and then people be like, oh, well, you can't do that. Like, that's like murdering someone. I'm like, well, you bring in fucking baseball bats, you can easily murder someone with a if bat. Hulk Hogan had a knife and Macho Man Randy Savage had a bat, yeah. who would win? <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah, like I said, there has to be a halfway mean point between fans and the kayfabe rules of these kinds of matches and I think they found a nice sweet spot especially with the fact that Jimmy Havoc was out there almost immediately to help Kip yeah. as opposed to coming in like at the last like three minutes and it being like is Kip gonna win now no let's get him in there right away that way Kip's a chicken shit heel and now there's more people in the match it's more interesting I like that part yep I agree. Also, like, the bat gives you range, but if with the knife, if you close that distance really quickly, you're deadly up close. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give it to Hulkster with the knife. Yeah, just, anyway. just come out with a fucking machete, then, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Come out, like, Batista, but actually have a machete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and always make sure you enter second. Yeah. Uh, Scorpio Sky collapses the ladder as Darby Allen enters. 
Darby clears the ring, bails to the outside, and deconstructs a barrier here. Um, uh, fails to do so. I, yep. I'm just going to quickly say, Darby Allen is definitely one of those wrestlers, I think, also, like, he so very much relies on the crowd. Just because of his unnatural, effortless charisma, I think a big part of Darby is that people just are naturally going to cheer him and love everything yeah. he does. And without that, you don't get that same feeling of like, wow, this kid's fucking special without that crowd. And I, it sucks, especially for Darby as opposed to anybody else. Well, that's that goes for for most of the faces. Like, so, like it's hard to say because like, but it sucks the mostly Jungle for Boy Darby match, or though. like the. Uh, you know, Orange Cassidy's that too. Like the crowd puts him over. Yes, but Orange anyway. Cassidy and Darby yeah. suffer the most for this. I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he bridges a ladder instead as he fails to deconstruct the barrier. He throws a skateboard into Frankie Kazarian's face and goes to the top of the ladder and tries to drop through it on his skateboard. Frankie Kazarian moves and Darby murders himself. Yeah. Everyone is down. That looked really uh, fucking painful, and I thought his knee was actually fucked up there. And from the camera angle, it wasn't clear that Frankie Gazarian moved. So it just looked like the guy ascended a ladder and took himself out the match, if I'm being completely honest with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, that he needs Taz, man. He's got to take Taz's it's fucking Taz. help. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that, Darby. I wouldn't have jumped through that ladder on that skateboard yeah. like that. <laughs> Orange Cassidy is out next. He takes his time on the top of the ramp, finally enters the ring, tries to reach the chip without climbing anything from the center man, of the ring, which for, is kind of like an hard kind of He went up to Excalibur, and he's like, how do you win this match again? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, dude, Tony told you 200 times. He climbed the fucking ladder. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he dodges other wrestlers that try to get at him again, just trying to, uh, limply, <laughs> which is fine. Like the, the joke is fine. The idea that this guy doesn't want to be in this match cause it's too much effort, I guess is fine, but there's a really fine line to walk with that stuff when this guy's also having really decent wrestling matches yeah, on AEW. Orange and, like, Cassidy's humor is such that you can't put too much of a spotlight on it, um, or else it doesn't become funny anymore. It's it's funny because it's so out of place, but when it's the focus, yeah. it doesn't seem out of place, right? Because it's the primary thing you're focusing on. Yeah, there like there's this, this thing here where now he's slowly setting up a ladder, uh, and he fails at it in a way to say that I think it's more to be laissez-faire. I don't I don't know how to put this ladder up. It, it doesn't work. This this whole this comedy bit like here Orange, didn't work what, for me. What, should, what would have been better is Orange Cassidy's music comes up. He comes down to the ring, and then he kind of just sits in the corner for a bit, and that's it. Yeah. Well, everybody that se- everybody sells around him, and he just sells in the yeah. corner. Uh, boom, boom. Colt Cabana is here. Uh, <laughs> he uh, dumps Orange Cassidy outside the ring, sets up a ladder himself. Kip grabs him. Uh, SEU tip the ladder and clear the ring. Orange Cassidy with a with devastating kicks. That is to mean the light kick gimmick. Uh, but then a double drop kick and a suicida after that. Joey Janela enters, diving on everyone. Double foot drop kick from the top rope on Colt. And Frankie Kazarian out the ring. Joey and SEU battle over a ladder. Kip DDT on Frankie Kazarian. Luchasaurus enters with big chops and big boots. Uh, good to have a big man in these kind of matches, even though he, he can't do much on ladders. Uh, but it's still good to have, have someone throwing the hoss around, so to speak. Um... Tosses Kip onto everyone outside the ring and destroys Frankie Kazarian. Darby is alive. He headbutts Luchasaurus, gives him a code red. Darby sets up a ladder, and the mystery entrant is uh, is announced to be next. It's Taz with Brian Cage. It's, 
you imagine it's just Taz. It was just Taz in like in, in, in trunks <laughs> like a t shirt. It's Taz. Taz is the kind of guy who would both wrestle and swim in a t shirt, I think, at this point in his life. Uh Brian Cage, Reed, what can you tell us about Brian Cage? Um, well, I know him mostly from Impact, even though I've never watched a fucking episode. I just know that he's from there. Um, he's also from Lucha Underground. He's a very mobile, big steroid guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like Jack Chris Benoit. Uh, he's got like a Wolverine, like Logan gimmick. Yeah, uh, sorry. Um, yeah. He has like a blue mouth for some I thought that was just his reason. mouth guard when he's not... When he's not using it. Oh, is that a mouth guard? I thought he was like looking a lollipop Dude, back. Dude, I was wondering that too. I'm like, does he have a chow chow tongue? Why is it blue inside? I think it might be his is mouth guard. The, is he a big fan of Liv Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, uh, I am a big fan of the fact that Taz is this guy's manager. Um, Taz is a good speaker despite all the memes. Um, and Brian Cage, I've never heard a promo of his, which means he's probably not that great of a promo if, if it's not out there that much. Like, I've never heard anyone begin like, oh yeah, Brian Cage, great promo. All I've ever heard about this guy is, fuck, that's a lot of steroids. And they're right. This guy's huge. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was a big fan of the pairing. Uh, this guy absolutely devastated people. There was a spot during this match where he picked up Luchasaurus and threw him into the turnbuckle. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, you just threw that guy. Luchasaurus is like, fuck, like what, 6'7"? He's a pretty big guy. He's a big man. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty big guy. Uh, yeah, Brian Cage, especially the ending spot, lots of feats of strength here. Um, yeah, very moveless, AW, lots, of, lots of different kind of throws and holes. AW has really filled in their big man part of their roster, which I think you and me have both been clamoring for since the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. So now they have the likes of Brody Lee, Brian Cage, Lance Archer, and Wardlow. Like, those are a lot of big fucking dudes. Now Chris Jericho can lose weight again. He doesn't have to be Fat Jericho. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't need to be Big Jericho anymore. <laughs> Put down that pizza, Jericho. You're done. You're back to medium size, buddy. Uh, so, of course, Brian Cage clears everybody out. They, uh, they all have to team up on him. They, uh, get him to the outside of the ring, beat the living shit out of him enough that they can get him down, uh, and cover him with ladders and barricades and the like. They also cover him with a giant set-piece poker chip here, and they do, like, the improv game where they all pretend this poker chip is super heavy, as five men are required to carry it. Uh, and drop it on the pile of, of refuse on top of Brian Cage here, who is now taken out of the match for the time being. Kip drop kicks ladder as Colt has been trying to sneakily uh, ascend it while they uh, they pile all this shit on Brian Cage. Kip and uh, Frankie Kazarian now Orange Cassidy. Ford comes out. Uh, Penelope Ford, that is Texas T. Uh, Orange Cassidy uh, <laughs> bends Kip's bird. I have written here. I believe Orange Cassidy and Kip have rushed to the top of the ladder here, and Kip flips him off. Orange Cassidy like grabs him by the finger. Ford then climbs up to the top of uh, to stop Orange Cassidy. Um, he what does he do? He kicks her back into cl- uh, into Kip here. So Penelope he just Ford, pushes he just pushes her into Kip. yeah. I, I said he scars her. I don't I don't know that that's. And that's not that's a, a good uh, explanation of what happens here. Uh, Havoc is in. Best friends come out to beat his ass, I have written here. Orange Cassidy recovers. Uh, he turns to face the Luchasaurus. Uh, he attempts to slam the Luchasaurus, but alas, Orange Cassidy cannot hoist. Uh, Marco is in. He brings a little ladder for an assisted slam from Luchasaurus as Marco takes out Orange Cassidy here. Frankie Kazarian runs to the top of the ladder. Uh, and delivers a top ladder nothing to Luchasaurus Janela with a Death Valley driver to Orange Cassidy on top of the poker chip, on top of Brian Cage. 
Oh boy. Uh, we get Scorpio Sky with a TKO to Joey. He ascends the ladder. Frankie Zarian jumps from the ropes to the ladder, which is uh, tricky, seeing as these ladders were flimsy as fuck. Uh, Luchasaurus dumps both of those men. Brian Cage breaks free. Unfortunately, it's not uh, in in such a comic book fashion as I was hoping. Uh, we then have Luchasaurus and Brian Cage facing off. These hosses exchange giant strikes just for some just some added little chef's kiss on the top of this. Uh, yeah, I have written here. Brian Cage power bombs a two hundred and seventy pound plus Luchasaurus into the ladder in the corner. Darby is alive again. Uh, however, he eats a drill claw, which is a Pile driver, and also a reference to the man Wolverine. Uh, to, to Darby, he uh, sets up a corner spot twice as Darby uh, slips off one of these flimsy ladders here. He lifts both Darby and a ladder over his head and throws them into a ladder at ringside, which looks painful as fuck for Darby, who did nothing but just get eviscerated this entire match. <laughs> this man climbs up, grabs the chip, has a weird blue mouth, so I think it's his, his mouth guard because I didn't notice it before this. Uh, Brian Cage is all elite and he will challenge either Brody or Mox on an upcoming something. <laughs> we get a plug for Dynamite here and then immediately into MJF versus Jungle Boy. MJF is with Wardlow, uh, Jungle Boy who is 22, MJF 24. These guys told a story in the ring. I have a bunch of, uh, of notes here for this, but really we can just give our general, uh, general thoughts on this match, which I thought was phenomenal. Uh, these two super, yeah, I thought it was a, yeah. I thought it was a very good old school wrestling match, which I like. I don't like a lot of these in a single pay per view, but one like this is perfect. But but I like yeah. I I like when there's psychology focusing on specific body parts and using those throughout the match. So yeah, this is very nice. There's a like an upside down spot where both men have their legs locked and they're like slapping each other in the face. Holds hips, punches. I've written here. Uh, MJF uh, does a kill deer here. He pretends to be uh, seriously injured, uh, waiting for Jungle Boy to turn his head so he can smack him. Uh, Tony Schiavone with a what an ass, uh, which is always good. Jungle Boy hits a big elbow. Uh, the backbreaker near falls. Just great stuff, man. I'm gonna. I have a bunch of notes here about this match. I really, really actually enjoyed it. Um, but we're gonna for the for the in the interest of time, Reed. Uh, we're gonna skip ahead. Both of these guys have a huge uh, future in AEW or wherever they end up. Uh, Jr. loves Jungle Boy. He's constantly putting him over as Jungle Boy Jack Perry. When Jr. gives you a bunch of extra nicknames, uh, that guy likes you. And uh, yeah, he likes you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the uh, the story here is uh, Jungle Boy is selling his arm, which MJF focuses on the entire match. Uh, at a certain point, Jungle Boy cannot lift or even use it for chops anymore. Uh, MJF is selling his back at one point as these men have completely beaten the shit out of each other. Pin combination. MJF elbows, uh, just sharp elbows to uh, Jungle Boy's arm. Uh, MJF sneaks out. Uh, a roll-up counter for the win. Basically, these men are exchanging pins uh, and roll-ups. And MJF, basically the story here, hey, these guys are evenly matched as far as a wrestling match is concerned. If you take out MJF's cheating, Jungle Boy probably had the leg up. Great story, great match. MJF goes over. Uh, I thought this was fantastic and a, a great showing of the the young men on uh, on AEW. Hell yeah. Uh, next up, Cody and Lass Archer next. Uh, we get a history package. T- uh, Mike Tyson is out here looking scary as fuck. Uh, holding the TNT belt. Uh, the belt that is belt not look like fucking shit. So it's man. not done here. Uh, we actually hear from Tony. Yeah, I know. Then don't then don't even don't even bring it out. Well, Tony Schiavone well, yeah, don't even bring it out then. Well, Mike Tyson's here and he's gotta hold something while he's falling asleep. I know, I know. Uh, apparently Tony says that uh, gold plating is still to come. Uh, they okay. they intend to make this belt look good at some point. <laughs> but in the meantime, Reed, what bar is the TNT championship? Oh, Lee, it's easily, 
Diet Coke. Diet Coke's a good one. Uh, there's that one cherry monster uh, that has like the silver and the red that I thought looked a lot like it. Uh, yeah. Lance Archer enters wearing a mask and murdering a jobber. Tyson giggles at this. I like to imagine he wasn't expecting it. Uh, Jake the Snake is also here. Uh, Bryce Remsburg introduces the title. Uh, it says this will crown the first. Do you guys want to shake hands? They do not. Uh, the, the match starts. Lance Archer is aggressive here. Uh, I mean, this is another one that we can kind of skip over here. Uh, Lance Archer is a very athletic guy for his size. He does the uh, tightrope walk, moon moonsault, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Cody here just kind of takes a flat-out beating. Uh, the story being, of course, that he, he doesn't want to quit. Uh, both men deliver each other's coaches' moves uh, to each other at some point here. Uh, Cody's on ringside. He's barely keeping his hands up after this beating, uh, but gets a DDT on Lance Archer. Uh, you know, get, there's a stinger splash. Uh, Cody does all of like the the Rhodes history moves here, so he lands like his brother and his dad's uh, moves on Lance Archer here. Um, Arn uh, actually gets up to s- some uh, some naughty business here and cheats, knocking the feet out from under Lance Archer while the ref is uh, uh, distracted. There's like an avalanche reverse suplex, at least that's what it's called that Cody delivers to Lance Archer here, but it looks a bit messy. Uh, Arn is actually outed by another referee and ejected. Jake decides now's the time to bring a bag with a snake in it. Uh, I can't believe in 2020 that this man is allowed to still buy, and like, if you ever hear Jake the Snake talk about his snakes and how he would like, get drunk and forget them in the trunk of his car in cold climates and be like, just murdering snakes by accident on a regular basis uh, it's pretty nuts that this man is still allowed to purchase a snake and use it uh, or, or care, take care of it in any capacity, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, Tyson takes off his shirt and intimidates him. Jake slinks back to the back. Uh, there's a guttural yell here as Cody reverses the blackout and delivers two crossroads to win one, two, three. Tyson presents him a belt as both uh, Tyson and Cody, shirtless and sweating, uh, celebrate. <laughs> this, yeah, that was the funniest part was they're shirtless and Cody was holding up Tyson's hand. Like, hey, thanks, man. Or something. <laughs> Um, this, this match in classic Cody fashion was, a, like, a pretty good wrestling match overall, but it was overbooked to shit, and there was too much fucking around going on, uh, and it distracted from the pure beating that Archer gave Cody. I wish they focused more on the beating and less on the interference and the distractions yes. and all that shit. Uh, like, I'll, I'll straight up call people out when I think their character, quote-unquote, uh, got got a little muddied. Uh, when any, any ever anyone is acting in character, though, like Lance Archer here has many opportunities uh, to bear down on Cody and probably win the match, but seems to like playing with his food a bit. Uh, yeah, likes, like he likes to hurt people. Yes, there's lots of times where uh, uh, Lance Archer will ask his opponent to hit him. <laughs> uh, likes the pain, likes the likes the fray. Yeah, and yeah. it's in character that he would not be satisfied with a two second win against Cody. Right. So and that's his that's his undoing, right? Ultimately, yeah. uh, Cody gets the the upper hand here, uh, and 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 the heart and powers through. We get a Baker injury update. The uh, doctor Samson here delivers a bit of a uh, uh, work thing where he's just like, "Hey, listen, uh, the worst part is imagine me having to deal with this cunt for the next how many months or whatever he says here, uh, which is pretty good." <laughs> we don't hear from Baker herself on this uh, pay per view. Um, a, da- a battle-damaged Kip Sabian accompanies Penelope Ford to the ring. Penelope Ford, of course, will be replacing uh, Baker in this match. Chris Statlander here is, and boops everybody on the nose. Dude, we've talked about this alien gimmick. It has it has to go? Yep, it has to go. Uh, bad. Yeah. So there's a dive here. Chris Statlander dives on both Ford and Kip 
and Penelope Ford's head is, like, driven into the floor in such a way that even though the pay-per-view had already happened hours before I had watched it at this point, I thought she had killed Penelope Ford here. Uh, Chris Statlander is not a slight woman. She is she is tall, she is thick, she is strong, and by God, does she look like she murdered uh, these people here. Uh, anyway, it looked awful. Rest of the match is pretty clean, however. Lots of big moves, near falls. Uh, decent match. Nothing that you might not see on a AW Dynamite, uh, but nice to break break up the uh, the the action, as it were. Chris Statlander dodges yep. a clothesline. Pile driver, uh, aka the Big Bang Theory. One, two, three. Chris Statlander wins. What do you think, Reed? Uh, let's move on to the next match. I think that's what. Well, Sean Spears is out, smiling like a jackass in a suit. Hey, talk about another match that we can more or less skip. <laughs> Uh, figures this is an easy win by DQ as Dustin Rhodes is not going to come out here. Great heel heat, in my opinion. This, again, is the best thing Sean Spears has done in AEW. But the payoff is just Dustin is there. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. Sweet. Then Dustin beats him up for a little bit. He pins him one, two, three. Uh, Sean Spears has Tully's face on his underwear. Oh, is your fucking Sean food Spears done? What's going on here? Of a, <laughs> Sean Spears is more of a jobber in AEW than WWE. I find that fucking hilarious. Move, let's move on. Yeah, but at least he we? gets, like, TV time, you know? <laughs> I guess uh, there was a part here where Justin's music hits and uh, Sean Spears has orchestrated it and then of course it hits again and he's like no you idiots just once her herder turns around after Brandy <laughs> distracts him uh, and yeah basically gets stomped in the there, there's one part in here where Dustin stomps him in the corner and Sean Spears is like flailing his legs and his dress shoes go flying that made me laugh uh, Sean Spears has his ass out for the last 30 seconds of this match and of course has a picture of Tully on his dick uh, this man was wearing a suit. He wasn't ready to wrestle. He gets he gets to look like a comedy jobber here, and that's fine for Sean Spears. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Dustin's back, baby. Keep stepping. Meow meow. All right, let's go. Cool. Uh, we get a card here for Hannah Kimura, uh, who committed suicide uh, on Friday night. It would be for us, or Saturday morning in Japan. Uh, she was also a cast member on Terrace House, which is a very popular Japanese reality show. It's also on Netflix. She was only 22 years old. She wrestled for stardom. She had wrestled on Wrestle Kingdom this previous year. Uh, just a great personality. And uh, everybody, a big fan of hers. Uh, nice person. Uh, my wife had known her from Terrace House. And therefore, when I heard this news, I'm like, oh shit. Uh, and yeah, just cyberbullied. Just in Korean Japan, man, if they decide... Uh, you're on the shit list. That's it. It's it's terrible and it's constant and you are 22 years old and don't know how to deal with it and you take yourself out the game and it's absolutely awful and uh, the show goes on, really. But Hikaru yep. Shida, of course, had wrestled uh, this this girl before, um, of course, over in Japan and stuff like that. You know, all the circles there, so... Uh, an emotional match, let's say. Anyway, we get a Nyla Rose package here as well as Hikaru Shida, um... Reed, did you pop for Hikaru Shida's Tifa outfit? Fuck yeah, I did. That was great. <laughs> um, I won't. I won't get into it uh, further than that. Then, uh, yeah, big big fan of that gear. She's no uh, Alex Marvez when it comes to crank material. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> <laughs> why you gotta say it like that? Uh, Shida disarms Nyla, uh, who brought the kendo stick into the ring here and starts to use the stick. This is a brutal match. Uh, I, I, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here, but to be honest, this yeah, was... we got we to gotta get yeah. going. It <laughs> uh, was a really decent match, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, they battle into the quote-unquote crowd, where we see both libra librarians and Serpentico, who's like a G.I. Joe guy uh, that's on uh, AW Dark sometimes. They battle onto the giant poker chips. Uh, there is a money shot here where Shida's holding the kendo stick on her shoulder. Uh, and another one 
uh, in the ring later where you think Sheeta's just going to smack Nyla in the back with this thing and she breaks it over her fucking head with a home run swing, uh, hits her with a flying knee. Uh, and again, uh, selling the match short here, which was actually a pretty decent match, but one, two, three, Sheeta is your new champion. Cries gripping her broken kendo stick and belt. Uh, of course, the, the announcers here kind of put over the AEW connection uh, with Japanese wrestling, specifically Hannah Kimura and Chad, and uh, Shad, rather. Uh, they're thinking of everyone during these troubled times, uh, during what was an emotional point in the show. Uh, yep. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Tony believes uh, that entertainment is important and thinks they're doing something important here and says, uh, and sounds very humble when he says, uh, working here for AEW, he's seeing something new after years and years in this business, uh, which is to say... He's working wrestling again and not a barista or whatever the hell was going on there. Uh, Moxley versus Brody Lee. Brody enters with the belt. They have security guards in the ring here. Uh, listen, there's a lot to talk about in this match. I thought this match was fucking phenomenal. What about you? I, th- I thought this was a very good match, especially the last like five minutes or so where it really started getting intense um, without trying to get too deep into it because we only have so much time. Yeah, I really like this match. Yeah, so uh, Moxley is very aggressive, and you know as soon as the bell rings here, he's going to go for a flying knee, he's going to be in Brody's face, and what the cool thing they did at the start of this uh, this match was, was Brody gets the upper hand, uh, that Brody's got something to fight for here too, and Moxley's actually uh, on his heels for the first bit of this match, uh, a plethora of strikes, says JR, uh, He's he refers to uh, one of these men as a pack a, a rack of ribs short of three hundred pounds. Uh, we get Brody smashing uh, Mox through barricades here and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, a, a tired Mox climbs up on the ramp. Both men are on the stage. Uh, yeah, so Mox drives one of the fiberglass chips into Lee. He reverses a power bomb and paradigm shifts Brody through the fucking ramp, which was pretty sweet. Yeah, that was nuts. Uh, yeah, uh, ref calls for a doctor. Uh, we get soon after a bleeding Brody Lee, uh, and then a not bleeding Moxley come out of this fucking thing. Moxley goes for another paradigm shift, and this is the character moment I really liked with Moxley that put over this match. Anything that happened before in this match might as well have not happened, except for this moment. Is Mox hits a paradigm shift again, and Brody kicks out at one, and instead of Mox opening his mouth and saying, "Oh my God, you kicked oh. out of my finisher at one." He fucking grabs this guy around the neck and starts elbowing him in the top of the head. And I fucking pop yes. so hard for this shit. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. This is my favorite part of the match because I'm like, yes, that's what would happen in an actual fight. Like, I fucking watch fights, like, every weekend. This is what happens. Yes. If someone gets out of something, you merely just go on the offensive on something else. And this is what Moxley did. Oh, didn't get the pin? I'm not going to stand like a fucking idiot. I'm just going to keep putting the hurt on. What What do I know right now? His head's bleeding. All right. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> and in pretty quick succession here, Moxley pounds the shit out of him, gives him a DDT, which Brody is able to kick out at two, so Moxley applies the sleeper hold and puts this motherfucker to sleep. Yes. Another great thing. He's like, okay, regular wrestling moves not working. Let's try a submission. And bam. Guess what worked? I have written here, great violent finish as uh, Moxley promised he would deliver. Uh, great character moment. I pop for this fucking finish here. Uh, and Moxley's great. Uh, he's got Brian Cage up next, presumably. Good for him. Moxley should hold the yep. belt for a, a, quite a while longer, in my opinion, if he's going to have uh, pay-per-view matches like this with this intensity. Uh, here's yep. something fun. We get an action figure commercial. The Moxley Let's action figure looks real rough. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, they tried to get that thing where he's got his head down and he's got his shoulders up and he's doing like the swagger, like the John Moxley swagger pose. And it just doesn't come across in this action figure. But otherwise, uh, those will be available soon. Uh, we get to look back on the night's events, but now it's time 
for your second main event stadium stampede match we get a football team style entrance with fireworks fire smoke we get a uh, marching band we get cheerleaders uh on the field as the inner circle enters all wearing matching football uniforms which is fucking perfect uh yeah big fan of that that was fucking hilarious uh everyone is here except for adam page the men brawl at center field i made my wife watch this match with me and she got pretty bored during this brawling i'm like well there's got to be some normal stuff before the crazy stuff happens jesus yeah you can't go right into the crazy and don't worry uh because seconds later adam page appears on a horse uh i'm like good okay they made good on that this man should be on a horse anytime when they're like would this be better if adam page was on a horse just put that motherfucker on a horse man there's so much to talk about this match but i'm just gonna get this out of the way so we don't have to say this every two seconds sammy Guevara is great he's probably the best person in this entire match i dare say um, his reactions, just the way he uh, he emotes his face and everything, his timing is impeccable. I've never seen such a fucking well-rounded young... Like, we talk about MJF and uh, Jungle Boy from yeah. like earlier today. Dare I say Sammy Guevara is maybe their better at this point. Um, just for everything he does. It's like he's really actually learned under Jericho and yes. like, really, like really adopted a lot of his... Uh, I don't want to say mannerisms... But it's like Jericho really taught him the, the secret to timing, good comedic wrestling, um, and all that shit. And yeah, that's all. I just wanted to gush about Guevara. But, for a but it's not. But the thing about Sammy Guevara <laughs> is he's not emulating Jericho when Jericho was Sammy Guevara's age. He's emulating Jericho now as if this Jericho went back in time and changed his gimmick earlier. So we had like yes. young Le Champion Jericho or something like that, and it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and what, whenever they decide to, to uh, I mean, knock on wood, break up this, this fucking group. Uh, yeah, Sammy Guevara, the first time I saw this guy, uh, when it was on one of the earlier pay-per-views before even AEW, and he fought Kip Sabian, and uh, just something about him. And that was before the Inner Circle thing, that's before he talked, or that's when he was still coming out with that fucking uh, panda thing panda. on his head. Anyway, uh, we get uh, Kenny and the Young Bucks, uh, we get a Proud and Powerful here, uh, Matt Hardy, Hagar join in, um, Sammy gets chased backstage here by Adam Page on a horse. Like they have, first of all, to start the match, they have a big running football tackle. Yes, fucking Lord of the Rings style clash here, yeah. which is great. Like I saw Kingdom one of Heaven. Immediately, <laughs> yeah, I, I watched yeah. one person immediately do a fucking drop kick to get another guy. Another person start throwing chairs and shit. That was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so no DQ. Obviously, there is a ring set up in the center of this football field that the men do utilize at certain parts of this uh, match. Uh, but most of the fun stuff happens uh, all over the place. Uh, I have written here a lot happening, and that's for sure. Uh, Matt is selling his injury, of course, his ribs. Uh, refs uh, have ways to talk to each other. They have, like, walkie-talkies or some kind of fucking closed-circuit way to talk as the men can brawl to anywhere in the stadium, and the first pinfall or submission wins this fucking thing. Uh, Matt Jackson uh, does a flip off the goalpost because, of course, when you're like, we're going to fight in a football field, what can we do? Goalpost. Uh, we have Kenny Omega and Proud and Powerful. Uh, uh, we got M- Matt Hardy and Hagar battling in the stands. Uh, Paige dismounts his horse backstage and heads to uh, in the direction of a bar. Uh, so we got Matt Hardy and Kenny getting uh, mad-balled in the back by Proud and Powerful Santana and Ortiz. Uh, they put Kenny on this barricade, and these fucking barricades have those two metal pipes, man. And someday someone's going to get impaled on this goddamn thing, I swear to God. They put him through a barricade and a table... Uh, Matt Hardy breaks up this pin, and uh, there's the whole scene in the the pool here. Which, what are your thoughts yeah. on? 
Uh, I personally enjoy it. I think it's really funny, the Mattitude facts. Um, I remember this gimmick when I was watching wrestling as a kid, the kid, so all of it hit the nostalgia in the right place for me, so I was a big fan. He goes from broken to classic to big money Matt Hardy. Ortiz sells uh, Matt Hardy putting his head in a big stone bell and ringing it like he's a fucking Looney Tune. Uh, he puts them in the chair of wheels and duct tapes them to it. Ortiz is more or less out of the match at this point. Uh, and then we have Matt Hardy dumping Santana in the cooler. Uh, Hagar is looking for Hangman, sees a sign for a bar, and assumes uh, this is where this man will be. Uh, Hangman asks him, did he come here for a drink or to fight? And they fight. Hagar, uh, or, or he says both, <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah, uh, just to, just so like we can get through the rest of this. Um, nearly done. Yeah, so just uh, the spot with the bar where he takes, uh, where Hager takes Hangman and just slides him across the bar like every classic Western action movie you've ever seen in your life. Fantastic spot. Kenny comes back. They attack uh, Hager. They give him six to seven bottle shots to the head. Candy glass, Uh, baby. Yeah, buckshot lariat over top the bar counter. Did you catch this, uh, that that they pour each other's drinks for each other in a nice little uh, heartwarming spot? What's that? Uh, Page pours Kenny a big glass of milk, and then Kenny pours oh. Page a shot of whiskey. Yes, that was funny. Uh, so they go out. Jericho has another great spot when he's fighting with the Jacksons outside. Uh, <laughs> Before that, though, uh, ja- uh, Matt Matt Jackson Northern Lights suplexes Sammy Guevara from one end of the stadium to the other. The entire he he. According to the announcers, it was a hundred yard Northern Lights su- suplex. Holy shit! I. Because I was watching, like, I caught the end of it for sure, and I was like, oh, wow, it's awesome. But I didn't think it was the whole hundred yards. That's, hey, Tony Giovanni doesn't lie, man. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, yeah, there's a part here where Nick Jackson is throwing a bag full of footballs into Chris Jericho's dick. Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the spot where Jericho throws up the red flag and calls foul on the uh, Yeah, Aubrey so he, call. he throws Nick into a Jaguar mouth thing, and then the mascot comes out. Uh, Chris Jericho clocks <laughs> Nick with Floyd, the baseball bat, uh, and goes for the pin one two, and then challenges the near fall on the on the field uh, by Aubrey Edwards. <laughs> uh, excessive celebration call on Matt Jackson as he suplexes Sammy a hundred yards. Yeah, man, it happened. I'm, I got I got it written down. Uh, Young Bucks attack Chris Jericho. Nick crashes through uh, Chris Jericho from uh, he runs the entire like aisle. Uh, Page drives the line marker over Chris Jericho here in a nice little comedy spot. Right up his dick, across his face. Sammy sells the sprinklers being turned on, which wake him uh, from his death uh, as he's been suplexed how many times across the uh, thing. <laughs> An engine can be heard, and here they are. He turns around. <laughs> and he turns around and he sells it like fucking death. Like, God damn it, not again. But this is after like him waking up like it's saving Private Ryan. And he's like, I can't believe it. I'm alive. I won. I'm the one who won. Yes. And then he just hears the engine and he turns around like, oh no, not again. Uh, and it's fucking great. Yeah, Sammy ends up brawling in the stands with Matt Hardy yelling at him that he hates him. Uh, Neo 1, which is a new drone or another drone. I don't follow this Matt new Hardy one. stuff. Uh, and we get Kenny Omega with a one-winged angel on Sammy through a giant crash pad and pins him and the elite uh, divide and conquer the inner circle. And that's the end of the pay-per-view. That is the end of the paper, and that is one hour of podcast that went. Uh, your your wings are definitely need to be pulled out right oh, now. No fuck, matter how long by now, they for need sure, to be, buddy. No matter how long they were in there. Uh, so I'm going to throw to myself uh, covering the big show show and total bellas. Thank you, Reed, for joining me. Are you are you back in for the long haul here talking AEW? We will see. How about that? I like it. <laughs> Keep me guessing. 
Thanks for uh, for showing up, man, and uh, take it away, myself. Thanks, myself. That's a lot of wrestling. We now uh, join the pre-recorded segment of Sultans of Slam, where I will review the Big Show show, the penultimate episode, season one, episode seven. One episode to go before this Netflix series is done, and we never talk about it again. I also have Total Bellas, episode eight, a ten-episode season there, so we actually have three to go on that, two after the one I have to review today. As you can tell, I'm counting down the episodes. The Big Show Show cold open with Cassie, his TV wife, streaming wife, and her I-can-sell-that-house commercial, uh, which is kind of public access level uh she's talking about selling problem houses if you've got uh, raccoons living in your house uh or your spirits she she can sell that house big show says uh not since flow from progressive has he seen a female acting performance so uh breathtaking a title break uh we are now uh still back in the living room just a title break. Uh, everybody's in the uh, living room talking about Mom Cassie's commercial. Compares women's empowerment uh, to Reba getting to play the Colonel, uh, the Big Show does here. Terry, the Big Show's friend, uh, who's played by Jaleel White, TV's Urkel, is having a charity event and the Big Show will be signing. Can you see where this is going already? Lola is on the phone with her friend Alex back from Minnesota. Surprise, Alex is here. She's visiting. Uh, the two are ecstatic. They're going to get to spend a week or a weekend together. This is great. Free lifetime gym membership for anyone who can go one round with the big show. What a round consists of, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what the actual... Uh, how do you win? Do you just have to survive a round? I don't know if there's a, a time limit. How this is being... Uh, how this is being run, it is not explained. But Terry has clearly pulled a fast one on the big show, but it's not Terry's doing alone. No, no, JJ's in on this as well. Excited to see her father return to the ring. Uh, and the charity is for the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. Uh, do, there's a joke here about uh, Big Show eating a cardboard horse, and I don't remember the context of the joke, probably because it was one of those lol so random anecdotes uh from another point uh big show talks about being embarrassed that time he ate the cardboard horse oh that's what it was he's afraid because he's retired from the wwe that getting into the ring here one of these local tampa bay jobbers that have shown up trying to get a free lifetime gym membership by lasting one round with the big show will be able to somehow uh upset him and uh and win a uh, man who looks like vladimir putin cuts a promo on the big show this man is known as Bob. Big Show slams Bob, uh, and the next opponent runs away, seeing that the Big Show... Yeah, like a retired Big Show, I'm still not... I'm not sure I could take a retired Big Show. He's, you have to... It's kind of strange. Like a shoot fight with the current Big Show. No. We cut to Mandy and Taylor Swift, her boo, and a co-running for president candidate. <laughs> They're meeting with the principal... Their homeroom teacher? I don't know that I've seen this character uh, before in the show. He seems like he has some authority and he introduces the debate. So I'm going to say this is the principal here. Um, kind of Adam Scott vibes off this guy. The uh, The sinkhole had uh, effectively canceled the previous debate. If you haven't been following, there was a huge sinkhole that canceled the day of school uh, previously on an episode of the Big Show show. Not the Big Big Show. Right. 
it is mandatory that they still hold this debate, even though Mandy and Taylor Swift are now dating and have more or less uh, decided to either be, be co-presidents or otherwise have uh, no... Uh, I don't I don't know what the actual situation is here. I don't know what they think is going to happen, that they're going to co-run as student president uh, or what was going to happen. They don't want to have conflict between them. Uh, they, whatever the case... Uh, Mandy and Taylor Swift, because it is a mandatory debate, uh, say that there will be healthy political discourse, and that's the end of that scene. Lola and Alex are on the roof catching up. The roof of Big Show's house, of course, is where you go to kiss boys, or to catch up with an old friend, or to lose your mind, uh, like their mother did in a previous episode. JJ shows up and says she needs a favor. She needs her fa uh, face painted like a cat. Alex asks, JJ, why? And JJ res uh, responds, she's eight. This is uh, not a bad joke. Back at the gym, Big Show is having a blast. This man misses pro wrestling, and by pro wrestling, I mean beating up peasants at his friend Urkel's gym. Social media is blowing up the Instagram, the Twitter. People can't get enough. Uh, it is a bummer this event has to end, says the Big Show, but maybe it doesn't. Cassie is here, and business is booming. Seven houses this bitch has got. Uh, lined up trying to sell so things have turned around for cassie is that the end of her character arc i guess uh there there is a term referred to here uh it is debate time lola and alex are attending the debate could you imagine going to your younger step stepsister's student president debate uh parents and students are invited to this even if the students aren't i don't know what the what uh, is this a thing that actually exists Americans? I don't know that it does. We don't have student presidents up here in Canadian high schools. We still have valedictorians and stuff during graduation, but there is not a person elected that represents the student body in matters such as apparently cafeteria food. Am I getting that right, Americans? That's uh, the, the school president, the student president. One of their main jobs is something to do with cafeteria food. It is a trope in every student president thing I have ever seen on television. I, uh, I, I hear the term here, FOMO, uh, in regards to Lola having FOMO, uh, in regards to things happening in Minnesota, like graduation. She won't be there with her friends. And now there's some, uh, some question, uh, if Lola will actually go back to live in Minnesota in the course of the show, which like I said, is being told sequentially, uh, with an episode leading into an episode, from, for as far as I can parse this, it's been at most half a year. At least much less than that. Uh, but Lola already considering going home. I have forgotten already why she left Minnesota in the first place uh, from Big Show's ex-wife? I don't know. FOMO, my wife informs me, is fear of missing out. Uh, I am old, apparently. I had never, I had honestly never heard FOMO before. It's easy to now be like, oh, I, I see, I've seen it written places not knowing what it was. No, I, I've never heard FOMO before. The uh, the principal, as we are calling him, uh, introduces the debate and the and the people therein. Talks about gum, don't chew gum, uh, don't take gum. You're going to take the gum out of your mouth with your fingers and put it in the garbage. It says, there's some confusion here as to how gum works. Uh, I have never... When throwing out gum, put it in my fingers. You may spit gum into a wrapper. You may spit gum into a cup you're no longer going to use. You may spit gum directly into the garbage, which is probably not the most sanitary thing nowadays. Uh, but never, never have I ever reached into my mouth and pulled the gum out with my fingers, as the principle seems to imply that people do here. 
both Mandy and Taylor Swift shout out the janitor to start the the debate. Uh, Taylor Swift says something along the lines of wanting to commit arson, uh, burning something into the school grounds or something like that. Uh, they refuse to counter each other. There's no rebuttals. The principal's asking them questions. Uh, they are taking turns answering and then more or less agreeing with the other person. However, Taylor Swift decides to go into business for himself. He goes off script here and he starts, uh, shooting about removing the salad bar from the cafeteria, which a high school with a salad bar would be fucking killer, man. I had salad bar every day. Uh, he wants to replace it with a candy bar. Fuck salad. Full on candy bar like at a wedding. You're embarrassing me in public, says Taylor Swift, uh, as Mandy sh- sh- like kind of shoots down his thing here. Uh, and this, this all leads to Taylor Swift breaking up with her on the spot in front of the whole school, looking like a complete geek. Uh, Mandy is embarrassed here, even though Taylor Swift looks like a complete fucking idiot. Uh, in this scene here and why Mandy should feel bad about that. I don't know. Everybody saw how that went down. He went off script. He suggested we should have candy instead of salads. And when you said, hey, that's maybe not the best idea, not the healthiest choice, you threw a fit and broke up with your girlfriend in front of everybody. Cool guy. JJ likes Lola in the uh, short amount of time they've spent together. Asks Cassie to help make a film as Cassie uh, is now high and mighty, uh, hoity-toity on herself, blowing her own horn about her video film making uh, techniques, seeing as her public access TV quality uh, Rochester, New York, Hammer Shapiro-esque video on the internet, which ran uh, during a YouTube... What was it here? Something Her her spot ran during Ellen or, so, or something. I don't know what the hell it was, uh, but it got her seven houses in the Tampa Bay area crazy stuff will you make a film with me to convince lola to stay cassie agrees big show uh is going through boxes of failed merch uh stating that the wwe rejected it having never seen his his vision one of them is the big nightlight it's uh it's a big nightlight that looks like half a garbage can that lights up with big show's face on it there's a blow dryer the big blow there's a lot there's a lot in this scene uh, he keeps he keeps repeating. It's repeated like six or seven times throughout the rest of the episode about uh, Big Show's f- failed uh, his visions. Were never uh, WWE never went for them. Is the joke here? Election results are in on the internet. Apparently, this is how they announce uh, the student president. And uh, Mandy has won. It's a full house moment as uh, Mandy, even though she has won, it's everything she's wanted. Uh, she runs upstairs, all sad. Uh, as she had to break up with her boyfriend. It cost her her boyfriend, you see, to win the presidency. And uh, she's embarrassed. Uh, what happened? So, anyways, she's fired up, and uh, she no longer wants to stop at student president. She's going to run for school ambassador, which can't be a thing. Uh, do these? What is the ambassador's job, then? They, they talk to the school board? Anyways, uh, the person she's running against if she goes for the, the school ambassador is Kevin David Perry, a.k.a. Katie Perry. That's the joke. Mandy screams, uh, c- curses the gods uh, that that is her fate. Cassie shows Lola her and JJ's video. This is the least funny JJ segment of the series, probably because Cassie uh, instructed her on what to do. Uh, misses her already. Uh, it's it's like I said, maybe been a couple of months. Uh, but JJ has a, a heartfelt message here for her sister. Meanwhile, Big Show is fighting jobbers. Uh, yeah, Lola refers to JJ as Jagers. 
That's it. Uh, also announces kind of unceremoniously that she will be staying in Tampa. So don't worry. Uh, the video worked. Uh, it's a film, silly, replies uh, her mom. Uh, the video worked, sure. This was kind of like a non... They, they blew this off rather quickly. I don't think Lola ever really intended to leave. She's got that boyfriend, or did she break up with him? They broke up last episode, episode before that? Shit. Uh, doesn't ma- uh, mind missing big events back in Minnesota, uh, as she would also uh, be missing events here in Tampa with these people that she's met relatively recently in her life. Terry pumps up the crowd. This is the big final match for the charity uh, Big Show comes out. He is in front of dozens of people. WWE didn't see his vision. He comes out as a as a magician. He's got like a top hat and a silk cape. <laughs> Two giant jobbers attack. Uh, if I could give this uh, match a star rating, it would be a zero. But I guess a quarter star. Uh, they get they they get the heat on Big Show here. Just double teaming him in the corner. Big Show clears the ring and announces his return to WWE. The sound drops out immediately after this. Everybody in the crowd uh, is doing, like, the peas and carrots thing, but doing it a little too over. Like, like the show ends, and a second later, everybody's on their feet having these huge conversations with each other that only they can hear, uh, so we can hear what the family is saying. And they're upset, and then the credits roll. Cold Open, uh, for the final episode, is a family meeting. They have a pro and con list of the big show returning to the WWE. Uh... Big Show basically throwing money at the issues his family presents, such as Cassie then needing an assistant to look after the kids as her work is getting busy. Who will teach Lola to drive? Well, a driving instructor can do that, says the Big Show. Uh, And then Mandy says straight up she will miss him uh, because there's a travel schedule with the WWE. Maybe less so of one now, especially if you're the Big Show. And JJ wants a dog and Big Show says no. And then the title break happened and I turned the show off. So, going into the big show, show, episode 8, the final episode, I am on the edge of my seat over whether the big show will return to the WWE or not. Did this coincide with big show showing up on WWE recently, like the day the Netflix thing dropped? Did it, on the next SmackDown or something, did big show... I feel like big show was on uh, Raw or SmackDown relatively recently. I wonder if that lined up. I, I've been watching them, of course, slow burning the Big Show show. I don't want to, uh, you know, binge it. Let's talk a little bit about Total Bellas. This is episode eight, very much a filler episode of the show. Nikki, Bree, and JJ sit posed at a bar. They, it must have been a photo shoot or something because they didn't look very comfortable at all. Uh, it, this wasn't a night out, though. It never gave the impression that it was anything but. So I don't know if this was just meant to be a cold open open for the show. Some extra footage. I don't know. This felt weird. Title break. Taking over. Taking over the world. We're in Phoenix. Nikki's house is finally fucking done. And it's fancy as hell. Uh, she has a lot of furniture. Of varying quality. Uh, cool chairs. Uh, every nook and cranny of this thing is filled with some kind of Pier 1-esque decoration. It's a good looking house. Uh, Bree is pissed already uh, that it is not very toddler friendly. Of course, uh, Bree, her next door neighbor... Here, sisters, twin sisters living next to one another, uh, not toddler friendly, you know, Birdie, Brie and Daniel Bryan's child will be coming to and from her auntie's house, presumably. There is no uh, gate for the pool. Big, nice backyard, uh, big pool, no gate. Nikki talks to Artem on the phone, uh, who's pretty positive about uh, Nikki having her house all furnished and moved into. Of course, this means that Artem uh, now has a place to stay that isn't uh, his 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 girlfriend's sister's house, which I'm sure Artem is very happy about. 
Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, look how fancy this doctor is. The next scene, we are at a very fancy doctor's office. Uh, this maybe is also a fertility clinic based on the looks of things. It's fancy. There's crystal lamps and stuff. The doctor advises Nikki that she should phrase, freeze, her, phrase, freeze her eggs. And perhaps Artem's sperm, too. Kind of poses it in a way of how serious a relationship do you have with your current boyfriend? Would you freeze embryos, which is a better idea, apparently, if you combine the egg and the sperm and you freeze that. That's better than simply freezing the eggs. Uh, better percentage chance, this and that. That's the information we are given here. What Nikki hears is it's one or the other. And the, the option with the sperm is only if you're considering having a serious relationship with Artem, which makes Nikki lose her mind for the rest of this episode. Bree and Daniel Bryan shop for pool stuff at Leslie's Pool Stuff store uh, because Birdie has not been taught to swim and they're worried she's going to fucking drown next door. They call Nikki on the way home and inform her it's 30 G's for a safety gate and they will gladly half it with her. Nikki immediately shuts them down. Daniel Bryan uh, says there's a Louis Vuitton one, a pool cover and pool gate, and Nikki is suddenly actually interested. Uh, but otherwise, I think Bree is completely out of line here. Uh, it's brought up again very shortly, so we'll get back to it. Nikki and Artem are shopping. Nikki presents the doctor's advice in the worst possible way she could, basically stating, hey, uh, I'm going to freeze some of my eggs. Uh, and then kind of lets it slip that, you know, embryos are a better chance, but because I don't know what we are, uh, I'm just going to do the eggs for now because, you know, I'm my own woman. Who knows what's going to happen? And Artem, who has clearly shown uh, a willingness to marry Nikki, uh, would be fine with having kids with him, her, uh, is completely heartbroken by this because, once again, Nikki is making huge decisions about their relationship without consulting Artem first. Uh, it's obviously not Artem's call whether or not Nikki can freeze just her eggs or embryos. Uh, obviously that's Nikki's body and Nikki's choice, but the way Nikki has presented it here, especially when Artem would be completely supportive, uh, having heard this come out of her mouth properly. Anyways, it's a wine tasting. Uh, Brie talks about the pool with JJ, her brother. JJ completely sides with Nikki. It's her house just because you happen to live with one another. Doesn't mean fucking shit. Uh, if she doesn't want a gate at her house, you need to be in charge of watching your daughter, etc., uh, etc. Et he, he makes some very strong arguments here, and more or less how I feel as well. Uh, it's not Bree's place. Bree can absolutely suggest it. She can be like, hey, you know, Birdie's going to be back here a lot. Have you considered getting a gate? Put it in Nikki's mind. But the way Bree goes about it uh, from Go here, which is like, oh, this is going to happen uh, because you decided to live next to me. No, that's not how it's going to be. Why these two girls decided to live right fucking to share a fence is beyond me. But here we are. Bree and Nikki talk eggs uh, at a wine signing. They're sitting at a table with markers in front of a big wall of wine. Of course, they have their own Bella Rodici, I believe it's called, wine. Uh, so it, it, it checks out that they could be signing wine. Anyways, I, at this point during this conversation where uh, Nikki is describing, you know, either doing one thing or the other with her eggs... I am confused as to why she can't do both. I don't know if it was laid out earlier and I missed it, or it was just something that they edited out, that the doctor said it's one or the other. It seems like Nikki could do both. Obviously, there's a monetary thing weight that comes with that. Uh, these are rich, influencing people. Uh, I'm sure that's not going to be too much of an issue here. Uh, based on the crystal lamps in that, in that place, though, maybe they do charge an arm and a leg for this. Um, but in any case, why can't she do both? Um, she doesn't, I guess Nikki at her core doesn't like the idea of having a viable embryo out there, a child that's hers and someone else's, not knowing 
what their uh, she she doesn't like making the decision now. So freezing her own eggs is a great plan, uh, but she would have to practiced how she was going to bring this up to her relatively serious boyfriend. Anyways, Bree and Nikki are in the backyard poolside with Birdie. Uh, Bree presents her with sa- pool safety signs, uh, which are capacity limits and stuff like that. Uh, Nikki's like, I'm not having ragers here. You're not putting these signs up. These are for public pools. Throws them back over Bree's fence. Uh, Birdie refers to the water as the no-no water. Nikki, right in front of Birdie, calls Bree a shitty neighbor. Uh, Bree says maybe she's being a little too much. Uh, of course, Bree realizing, I don't even know CPR. I haven't even looked on a YouTube video uh, to see how to do CPR. Should my daughter even fall into this pool? So who am I to impose pool shit on my sister and neighbor? Artem and Bree meet for some snacks. Uh, Bree is there to be nosy and stick her nose into nosy things. Uh, into Artem and Nikki's business, obviously. Uh, Bree presents, hey, what's up with you guys' relationship? How serious is it? What's going on with these eggs, etc. Artem basically sets her straight on the matter. Uh, Artem has apparently been married once, has never gone ring shopping, is open to getting engaged with Nikki and having children with her. No problem, no problem. It was just the way she presented uh, this particular problem and most problems that I have a problem with. Artem is a good guy, convinces Bree he's very serious about the relationship, and Bree offers her diamond guy. Bree and Nikki get walkie-talkies so they can walkie-talkie from house to house with each other. Which, a text message is probably as fast. There's walkie-talkie stuff on phones now, right? Right? That exists. Sure it does. They make nicknames for each other and pretend to be truckers. Uh, Boner Crusher emerges as Nikki's nickname uh, as she claims to make them and crush them. Nikki uh, has installed a Louis Vuitton cover and gate and all is well. She did it. Also, Louis Vuitton makes pool covers and gates. Artem is cooking. Uh, Nikki shows up, says, hey, how'd you sleep? You were snoring, etc., uh, etc. Et they make up. That's all I really have to... I, like I said, it's a filler episode. What do you want from me? Uh, Bree and Artem go diamond shopping. Diamonds are hundreds of thousands of dollars. Artem is a out-of-work professional dancer, not John Cena. Uh, so I don't know how he's looking to afford the five-carat diamond ring that Bree claims Nikki has wanted her whole life. Poor Artem. Next time on Total Bellas, a Native American healing experience with Bree and Daniel Bryan, where a man is full on crying. Looking forward to watching that. And uh, Artem reveals he's got a ring without Bree there, and now Bree is worried uh, about the ring. That's it. <laughs> That's all there is. Uh, join us again next week for Sultans of Slam. We'll be talking about AEW Dynamite and the fallout rather, of Double or Nothing. You can always go back and listen to this previous Friday's public beta podcast where me and Reed talk about the video games and news uh, of the past week. That's it. If you want to interact with the show, at Tits Iceberg on Twitter is how you do that. Lee at TitsTheIceberg.com gets you to my email. Please feel free to comment with questions or topics for the show. Thank you, as always, for listening. That's the Sultans of... Slam and welcome to-